and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird. Today, this fireside chat comes to you live from IIEX, Insight, Innovation and Exchange from Greenbook. With me today is Mary Martha Stazanopoulos. Mary Martha serves as the head of Consumer Insights at Kairos, an incubator and startup studio dedicated to building companies that help the 99% economy. Kairos grows businesses that increase access and affordability to things like housing, healthcare, childcare, and continues to fund them throughout their life cycle. As head of Consumer Insights, MM works directly with Kairos HQ and serves as head of insights for each of its five companies. Though each company widely differs in product, they all serve a similar consumer, meeting them at different life stages and needs. From security deposit alternative Rhino to UK-based technology-centric home healthcare company, Sarah, to organic children's food leader, Little Spoon, and more. Insights aims to serve as a centralized brain for these different products to help better understand the consumer's entire journey and experience. MM joined Kairos from Glossier, a beauty direct-to-consumer unicorn, where she built the consumer insights function from scratch, creating an infrastructure for research and a culture of data-based strategic decisions, ranging from concept development to new market evaluation to brand strategy. Prior to Glossier, MM spent over five years at HBO in new media and product, tackling quant, qual, UX, and competitive research for HBO in the digital and streaming space. Much of that time was spent on the design and launch of HBO's direct-to-consumer product, HBO Now, including its pricing, partners, content, and customers. MM started a research career as a pollster at Penn Show in Burland after getting her master's while working the early shift for CNBC's early, early show, Worldwide Exchange. She received both a BA and an MA in political science from Columbia University. MM is a native New Yorker and lives there with her husband and rescue dog, Aggie, named for another inquisitive mind, Agatha Christie. Mary Martha, welcome to the show. So let's kind of go into this interesting, interesting role that you have at Kairos. So, you know, I'd like to ask, what's your normal day to day, which is about the most ridiculous question anymore in an interview. But if you could, you know, explain really what your roles and goals are every day, what is it that that you do that defies really an exact title at Kairos? So I serve as head of insights for the fund and then for all of the companies that are kind of under management in the incubator. Right now, there are about five, um, and they're all in different stages. So we have two that are in stealth, and the work there is very much on pricing, evaluation of the value prop, um, mm-hmm. identifying the target audience and, and how we can reach them. Um, but then we have wildly successful companies that are growing very quickly. We have Little Spoon, which is a um, a children's all-natural organic baby food blend that today is launching food for older kids. So wow, into that. Um, And we have Sarah Care in the UK, which is a technology-based home health care company that is rapidly expanding. Um, And so they're all in different stages. So the day-to-day is you know, I think researchers, a lot of times, like the day-to-day is is frantic, and mm-hmm. that's definitely the case right now, just because it, it depends what's on the agenda. But 
you know, check-ins, I, I don't go more than three days without talking to each of the companies, each of the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually three to four of the companies have research and field in any given week. Um, I, when I started, I was like, we're going to do one to two a week. And that <laughs> of course, not true at all. Um, I also started this job remotely. I met everyone when I interviewed, but I, I started early April. So I don't know, maybe they'll change when I have a desk in the office and I'm not sitting in my living room. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty crazy. Well, we're going to be getting into a little bit of this function and how you actually got things started. But your experience was is is twofold you've worked at a company where the insights and the 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 um, department really was very structured and then at glossier you started it from the ground up tell me what what was really amazing about that and what was just exhausting about that kind of give us the you know the the plus and minuses there yeah because um hbo we were I was small but mighty research team and and sitting on large budgets and Mm -hmm. the wheel, the process kind of worked, even as we were turning out new products, like the process worked. Um, I got a call from Glossier and they had been in the market for about three and a half, four years by the time I joined, wildly successful, secured a billion dollar valuation, Mm -hmm. uh, shipping and selling internationally, but there was no formal research function. And they kind of hit the point where they're like, we think we should have one. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, research was being done, but it was through kind of scrolling through social media and seeing what people were saying. Um, there was obviously this really strong intuitive gut, uh, in the marketing and product development that kind of knew what customers wanted and that, you know, that brought us to a billion. Would that necessarily, you know, that gut, that intuition, would that get us to the next billion? Like, no, you're, you're going to have to roll out research. So, I knew what I was in for um, and I knew it was going to be messy and that scared the crap out of me. Um, But uh, it was, it's really exciting. And so I think we're going to get into the specifics, but everything from creating the culture, because that culture around research, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to go very far to vendor selection, to actually kind of Mm. create recurring research. Everything had to be started from scratch. (laughs) Okay. So a lot of market research professionals and many that are listening today, they find themselves either with a new brand or they've been asked, even if they are an incline, if they're an in-house, they're tasked with maybe a new vertical or a new product line. Uh, This happens all the time. People get switched around in functions. And then there are some people who have been in your place where they just have to start an entire function from scratch. So you've done it a couple of different ways. So tell people where to start. And I'm going to use kind of an interesting metaphor. Let's talk about like a like running a race because you mentioned that curiosity is what fuels your race really. Um, but it, you know, every day you have so many different tasks, you know, to get done, but you need to start somewhere. So what, what are some pieces of advice to use that metaphor how can people know that they're they're lining up on the right line, that they're facing the right direction? Like kind of give us some of those guidelines about if you're going to get started, please think about these few things right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the gear you actually need for the race. There's your sneakers, there's your clothes. Um, and that would probably be the vendors that you work with, the tools that you onboard, you know, the, the capabilities that you have. And it was really tempting to start with those. You know, I, I had my go-to set of vendors. I knew I probably wanted to onboard different platforms for surveys, but you kind of have to pause and start running the race 
naked, if that makes sense, like without the gear. Because if you start onboarding all of your tools before you actually know what the needs are, you might onboard the wrong ones. You might spend money, waste money. Um, And I was really worried about doing that. So my goal and what I've told everyone that, you know, has wanted to hire me or that works with me is that research has to be in the room from day one. I don't care if it's a marketing check-in, if you're talking about a new product, just let me be the fly on the wall. I'm not going to say a word, but I need to know how you make decisions, where roadblocks are, and where the research can fit in. Um, Because, you know, what what would happen is, let's say you onboard, I don't know, a, a tool that's great for exterior sampling, not knowing that two years ago, someone created a panel and that we're sitting on that capability. I mean, whatever it is, you you have to understand the work that needs to be done before you start getting your kit together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of my mantra. I would like to say that you heard it here first at IIX. We joke around about, you know, if you go to IIX, you'll, you'll hear about it first. Um, naked running. This is what it's come down to, people. <laughs> Make sure you're running the race naked. <laughs> but I, I love that. I, I love that sense. And let, let's talk about a couple of other things that you learned along the way, I I was looking through your bio and kind of thinking about what would other market research professionals want to know about, you know, some of those key things like finding the vendors, getting it right, stopping for seeing what you have in your own assets. But what about um, how you go about building these teams or getting the buy-in or sharing what it is? Because I know that what gets talked about a lot in these MR circles is the fact that people feel that their curiosity does drive them. They lined up, they got to the right place, they did fantastic research, but they can't seem to get the C-suite or the people who are making the decisions to notice their research. So what would you have to say about that as you've started some of these you know, projects from scratch? Yeah, I think um, one of the most important things um, is holding teams accountable. Mm. So as research professionals, we have all had someone tell us to our face, no, it's too expensive. It's too slow. The decision's been made anyway. You know, it's whatever it is, like we've heard it. And that comes from, you know, at some point, some researcher gave them an 80 page deck that was not in their language. It didn't speak to them the, the way they, they were able to consume information. It sat in an inbox and then it, it sat in a Dropbox and has never been opened since. And it's it's kind of work like that, that, that ties our hands together. And, and mm-hmm. you know, so we have to figure out one, how, Every client you have, whether that's a client from an agency or like an internal client, I call Little Spoon's marketing team, you know, my client, um, how they want to be spoken to. Some will not trust you unless it is the most beautiful deck they've ever seen. Others, they want the data before it's even come out of field. And if you spend 24 hours formatting it, you've, you've, you've lost them. Yeah. They, so just like drop it in a sheet, walk them through it whiteboard it, virtually whiteboard it, whatever it is. So figure out the language that they want to be spoken to Mm. and hold teams accountable. Mm. So, you know, you can't just, and this is tricky and you have to figure out how to do this in your own situation, but dropping a deck in an inbox and then walking away (laughs) contributes to that, to that stereotype that like, oh, it's expensive. It's not useful. So the, you know, I think when I was 
six, my mom was like, remember, if there's ever an emergency, you don't say like, help, someone call 911. You point at someone and say, you call 911. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. It's like, okay, this research has identified the following things we need to do, the following issues. Let's come up with a plan right now. I will be in charge of figuring out the next steps in that plan. And I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm. You know, advertising team, I'm going to reach out to you in a week and see how that's going. We're going to come together, make research the one who kind of holds everyone accountable for executing what you learned Mm -hmm. rather than just being like, learn something cool. Here you go. Um, (laughs) And I think that, you know, it's hard. And in some cases it won't be possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly can't always knock on your CEO's door and be like, I think they're ignoring me, Um, (laughs) but that will go so far. um, Mm -hmm. And that once I realized that in my career, that was the turning point where Mm -hmm. I suddenly had more work, and requests for research than I could keep up with, as opposed to like, does anyone want to talk to me? (laughs) A little bit different. Well, tell me about, that's really good advice about the accountability on the team. Um, And and I love this idea of how do you share your findings, but let's talk about even within the team, because you've built these teams, right? How do you get the team to buy in to what you're doing. Even like the thing you mentioned at the beginning, like it's really easy for everybody on the team to be like, let me run this race because I already know what platform I will use. I want to, I really, you know, they all have their pet, you know, methodologies. They have their pet vendors. They have all this kind of stuff. What have you done and what have you spoken into existence with, with the teams that you feel really works to get the internal buy-in you need? Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that, that you, can never really say to their face, but we can say this among researchers, clients don't prescribe methodology ever. (laughs) Like you will take tons of meetings where someone says, I would like six focus groups with people in these markets to determine X, Y, Z. And you're like, okay, Hmm. great. I love how much thought you put into that. Can we back up and talk about what you want to know and why Mm -hmm. hopefully you've been a fly in the wall in the meeting. So you you actually have that context already. And you can say, actually, you know, your focus idea was great. Focus group idea was great. Actually, what we're going to do is in-home ethnographies, Mm -hmm. uh, not in those markets, but in different markets. And it's a much bigger question that we've got, we've got to establish here. Um, And so you can never say like, nope, don't tell me what you want to do. I'm going to figure it out, but never just say like, okay, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And and because this is what you do, you, you know, in your gut, um, you know, what, what is right. And you know, a lot of times if a client prescribed a methodology, you're going to be wasting money and doing it to make them happy. So like blow them out of the park right. by carefully suggesting mm-hmm. an alternative. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of been my, that's been my go-to and you, you never say it to their face, but <laughs> it's my, it's my gospel. So it's part of the way where you can actually, you know, phrase it in such a way where they thought they think they thought of the idea. <laughs> what if we nailed them products instead of brought them into a room they're like oh it's a great idea i love that well i'm gonna i'm just letting people in the chat know get ready I'm, I'm i've got another question here but i want you to go ahead and put a couple questions you and i know some people are chatting and are they're saying that they would be like just kill to be a fly on the wall of of how you actually present the filing findings how you get the decision makers to see your good research i know that i've hit a pain point obviously with some people so get some questions in there and I'm going to pick one or two. But let me ask you this, um, MM. So 
in the work that you do, is there an anchor that you've kind of come back to even when you're in the middle of processes to keep you from kind of running off like you mentioned? Because let's just, let me back this question up. So you said at the beginning, when you're starting an insights function from scratch, it's really important that you, you know, that you don't just run out there and just make these guesses or do your, you know, your, your uh, pet, you know, uh, platforms or methodologies or programs or anything like that, that you stop and consider what does this company really need to move forward. But then things get going. And you mentioned that you have a very pressured, demanding, you know, you're running so many different programs. And also you're changing a hat constantly with however many, you know, uh, different companies that are under the Kairos uh, uh, firm. And how many is that right now? Uh, Five. Five. Okay, so you're changing complete, you know, uh, uh, concepts and growth hacking strategies, you know, very frequently during the day. So my question is this, what is that anchor that keeps you from running into just busy work, even if you're at the middle of it, not just how you line it up? What's been helping you? Yeah, um, you know, there's, it, it feels like a lot to pivot. And I think there's an emotional energy that, that can make it really hard to pivot. But my first boss, you know, I started at the, you know, political pollster pen show in Berlin and right out of grad school, my first boss was like, everyone's a voter. Everyone is a voter, even if they've never voted. And that's because Penn Schoen was taking the political polling methodology that they, they had kind of pioneered and during Ed Koch's campaign and we're pivoting it to corporate clients. And it was like, it's the same thing. They're making decisions about where to spend a dollar, a dollar is a vote. And so no matter how overwhelmed you get in going, I've never had to research, you know, one of our really successful companies is called Rhino, which is a security deposit um, alternative uh, that, uh, you know, has garnered a lot of good press recently um, and is is really exciting time. I don't know. I, this is not my this is not my area of expertise. I do not understand the housing market, not an insurance person. We pause and go, OK, but the motivation of the consumer is the same. They're trying to solve a problem. Mm. I can understand that consumer. You're right. The, the mother who's trying to buy Little Spoon baby food because she now has three kids doing remote learning in school and needs one less thing that she has to worry about. I don't have kids, but I can understand that motivation. I can put myself in those shoes. And so pausing to say, everyone is a voter. The process mm-hmm. for how we make decisions might be different product to product, but we all have common emotions that we can unravel here um, is kind of the glue. Um, and so that's how... You know, I want to say like, oh, my God, it was crazy going from TV to streaming to makeup to, you know, the five companies now. But mm-hmm. really, the work is the same every you know, it's how we make decisions is the same, whether it's mm-hmm. like, do I choose HBO over Netflix or, or mm-hmm. you know, a, a Kairos product versus something else? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's super interesting. But that anchor is great. Everyone's a voter. So there's there's your gym from here. OK, we've got lots of questions coming in. So we're going to try and rapid fire these. Janet Stanton from Scoot Insight. She says, of all of the internal audiences that you've talked to, have you found that there's one that is the toughest to convince of the value of integrating research throughout the process, throughout the, you know, uh, throughout the scope yeah. of the business? Um, the toughest are are the ones who have figured out a system for getting this feedback or getting input that they think is research without you. 
Um, so that might be a customer service function. And a lot of times in my experience, it's been a marketing function. It's no, no, no. We know what the customer wants. They're telling us, um, and saying we, you know, what you think you have, we can build on that. See, there's some follow-up questions that are a lot like this, including, um, Oh, I've just let uh, Jonathan, he, he talks about how, you know, speaking a little bit more in depth to that pivot of helping clients see the need for a more formalized structure of research in their practice. Um, so you've kind of answered that, but is there any other thing that when you, when you think about, you know, uh, conversations you've had that have really gone well about how they, how they've accepted that news? Look, this has to be formalized in the company. Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing I've had to realize is say yes to things that are outside of your brief. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they are getting feedback and doing research by scrolling through social comments, you're like, that's great. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to scroll through social comments and we're going to do that side by side with whatever, you know, post-transaction survey we're going to roll out and then PS survey, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that on. That's great that you've been doing it. Um, you know, saying yes to work that needs to be done. That doesn't always mean spending money. That doesn't mean doing their methodology, but it means kind of meeting them where they are, holding their hand, taking them along the way. And also saying, by the way, I'm not here to step on your toes. I'm here to free up time. Mm -hmm. Your headache is going to become my headache and I'm going to figure this out for you. It's my job. Um, And so kind of appealing to that emotion as well. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are asking a little bit about the makeup of your team. So tell us about what your internal team looks like, how, you know, how'd you organize it and maybe why, what, who'd you pick and what, what are their skills? Yeah. I mean, right now we're still building. My team is company to company. So Mm -hmm. Rhino has people who have been working, um, you know, with customer feedback with CX, they are now, you know, the team that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Spoon has great customer support and they have kind of a product development team that has always wanted this type of insight. So that is now my team at Little Spoon. I'm still building my central Kairos team because we're still figuring this out. This mm-hmm. is this is very new for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at Glossier, it was, well, let me figure out, you know, let me supplement with what I'm not as good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found people who, who you know, excelled in areas that I was fine to admit were not my strong point. Um, so I think I'm still figuring it out at Kairos. Um, but right now I am kind of overseeing teams at each of the kind of sub functions and working with them. Mm. And then we'll go from there. I love it. I love it. This is Mary Martha Stasinopoulos. Um, and I really want you to connect with her. There's so many great, uh, 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 chat questions going in. I really encourage you use the hashtag IIEX. Let's keep the conversation going. Mary Martha's willing to do it. And I have to say, Kara actually joined in and said, I just realized I've been pronouncing Glossier wrong the whole time. Me too. I discovered that in this. And I have to say, I think I might get a little bit of uh, mom points from my daughter for, you know, actually talking with someone who worked there, but I'm going to have to go home and tell her also that we've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. You and, you and 50% of our okay. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, 
totally fair. Uh, but Mary Martha, let's we we need to bring this to a close. But we're going to bring some of these great questions out online. I know a lot of people want to know how how they really can structure their work that they just really love, so that more of the C-suite see it and make the right decisions with it, because it's meaningful to market research professionals who really care about their job when people use it. But can you tell us where where we can find you? Maybe if there's a Kairos website and just ways that people can contact you, reach out you and learn more about what it is you do. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I haven't used it since I left CNBC because uh, there I had to tweet all the time. And so when I left, I was like, I'm never doing this again. Um, so I'm a passive consumer of Twitter, but find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also email me at mm at kairoshq.com um, or just search Kairos HQ, you know, and, and you can reach out to me that way. But LinkedIn's probably the fastest. Awesome. Well, I put that in the chat as well, but make sure that you tag her. If there's additional questions that go on during the day, we're happy to answer them. And Mary, uh, it, this this has been really, really awesome. And Mary Martha has been generous with her time, but also I think that expertise is what we've really enjoyed. And that's really what you know we're trying to think about. Where do we go? Where's the future focus? You know, departments really need to think about how they need to structure themselves so that they are there in the future. Mary Martha, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day today at IIEX. We'll see you all soon. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.